And I say, but that's basically it. You're gonna have to go to another place to see this. Mm-hmm. And once you put that bug in people's heads, once you make that point with them, they're on your side. <clears throat> Nobody argues with me. Nobody says, well, I like light pollution. You're gonna cut back. No, no, no. They're they're all about that's cool. I I really I really miss that. The rational view is a weekly series hosted by me, Dr. Alan Scott, providing a rational, evidence-based perspective on important societal issues. Produced by Soapbox Media. The world needs evidence-based public policy now more than ever. Making the right decisions should not be partisan politics. Please help spread the rational view by going to patron.podbean.com slash the rational view. Together, we can make a better future. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Rational View. In this episode, I'm returning to the insidious advance of light pollution and and what we can all do to bring back the night sky. I'm now in Guelph, Ontario, and the municipality is considering introducing a light pollution bylaw. If you also would like to see the stars at night from your population center, this episode will help you to understand the issues and the best approaches to combating the tragedy of the commons that is unabated artificial light at night. If you like what you're hearing, please press like on your podcast app. Uh, I'd love to talk to you on my Facebook group, The Rational View. My guest today is Mr. Jim Getz, a retired soldier with an interest in astronomy. He is the Vice President of the Kitchener-Waterloo Centre of the Royal Astronomical Society of Canada. His current interest is the promotion of the coming total solar eclipse on April 8th of next year. Mr. Getz, welcome to The Rational View. Hi, how are you doing? Very good. Thank you for coming and joining us. So we both uh, recently attended an open forum hosted by the City of Guelph to get public feedback on a potential light pollution abatement bylaw. Now, I've spent many years uh, with the Ottawa Royal Astronomical Society of Canada fighting to return the skies to darkness so that future generations may have the opportunity to see the stars and the Milky Way. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you became interested in this issue? I've always had an interest in the night sky. When I joined the uh, club here in Kitchener in uh, about 12 years ago, they had a fairly uh, active uh, team that was working on uh, light pollution abatement or LPA. And then it just sort of died away. Mm. And since then, uh, trying to get people interested in the club and doing it is, uh, well, I get lost in other projects and everything. But um, <clears throat> it was kind of sensible that we were on the board for the uh, uh, Waterloo region for their light pollution uh, th- their new lighting policies and everything. Mm-hmm. And then we sort of opted out of that. And, um, oh, yeah, then the region went ahead and did came up with their own plan. And uh, I talked about it at the meeting, the in-person meeting on Tuesday okay. at the uh, Guelph City Hall. And uh, I made my points about astronomy and stuff like that. But basically, uh, this bylaw actually introduced a few introduced the subject again. And I was able to give them a bit of feedback from the astronomy point of view. It's up to them to uh, come up with the bylaw. They mostly talk, talked about the legalities of it, but mm. I just gave them a picture on it. And uh, I'd be well. I do a lot of outreach and everything like this. I'm always talking about uh, how light pollution is affecting. Uh, how it can make our skies so much better. But basically, that's about it. 
Yeah, I find very few people in the public are aware of this as an issue, in fact. Uh, and there, I think, are relatively simple things people could be doing to prevent light pollution at night. Uh, like, you know, installing full cutoff lighting instead of carriage lights around your house or put motion sensors on your outdoor lights or timers. Um, I think a, an educational campaign would probably be an effective tool that we could use. Do you have, in Kitchener Center, do you have any particular programs of light pollution? Now you said you had one, but it kind of died away. Are you? Is it being regenerated now by the volunteers? Um, no. Uh, I'm the only one that seems to be interested in it. And, uh, but we did have five astronomers on the uh, podcast last week with Guelph. And three of them were, one was an ex-member of the club and one was the, actually the president of the club. So uh, ah. there is interest. And, mm -hmm. uh, but really, whenever I do a star party, and I do a lot of them, uh, public events, I'm always talking about, uh, there's always somebody there that mentions what it's like to go to Algonquin Park or up to the Muskokas or something like that. And they talk about how amazingly dark it is. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, I do tell, I, I do an introduction to the night sky and it's all about uh, telling, just showing people the sky for the first time. It's like when you show the moon to somebody in a telescope for the first time, they actually see it for the first time. They really see it. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's a moment they'll always remember. So it's not hard to sell them on um, dark skies or light pollution. It's just uh, they'll go along with whatever the bylaw is or whatever or the local government is doing. Uh, they just need a little guidance. They need a little uh, uh, I need a little bit of leadership. Just to give you an example, uh, in middle of Kitchener, there's a park called McLennan Park. And there's an old uh, landfill that creates a hill called, uh, I just call it the hill. Uh, and um, from the top of that, you're looking down at the city and you see commercial areas and you see residential areas. Mm -hmm. And when I point out a large black area where there's no light coming, um, people say, uh, I ask people what it is and they never tell me. They can never tell me. And I said, that's residential. The city went around as part of their plan, and they just um, changed all the uh, streetlights to full cutoffs. So when you're above it, looking oh, nice. down, all you see is black. And you need binoculars to scan the uh, to scan the residential area to actually see the cone of light where the lamppost is. And I said, mm. that's just an example of good government and how things can just be changed and uh, with nobody really noticing. And yeah. so People need guidance, like the uh, Waterloo Region uh, Central Police Station was was recently been built, and it was designed on low light. Mm -hmm. So it's got all full cutoffs on the outside. It's a secure building and everything, but and you can't approach it without being lit up. But uh, I've walked around it, and it's it's. Uh, it's properly designed. It doesn't give off excess light. And it's just, it's, it's not that um, we have to do this overnight or there's some sort of crisis. It's just that we can evolve over time mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. solve these problems one at a time. Yeah, most people, when they hear about light pollution bylaws are saying, oh, I can't have lights at night. Uh, and there's going to be crime increases because now we're not lighting up. But it, that's not what it means at all, right? It means 
designing proper shielded fixtures that don't shine the light up in the sky. The light up in the sky doesn't help anybody. It's wasted energy mm-hmm. and it lights up the clouds and, and makes the night sky disappear. And it's just because they're being careless uh, or it's, they think it's more decorative to have the light shining in your eyes rather than on the ground where it's useful. But it is very easy to just put a, a shield over the top of the light so it doesn't shine out horizontally or above horizontal. That's all, you know, that is what creates that dark area that you're talking about in residential areas is, is putting that shield over the lights so that they shine down on the ground where it's needed. And, and it's a simple thing, but if you go into a lighting store, you don't see those lights. Like they, they hide them away in the back because people want these beautiful carriage lights where you can see the bulb shining in your eye and blinding drivers so that and that's you know poor lighting design if you have the if you can see the light bulb you're going to be blinded by the glare you might run into a pedestrian yeah especially as we age the the eye quality just gets poorer and and causes a lot of uh, blinding glare i mean maybe young people won't notice it so much they can deal with that but for 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 old folks like me it's it's a problem that you know driving along with a with an unshielded light fixture or anything bright um shining in your eyes if you shine it down the ground it's still protecting your area it's still giving you you know safety you can see the ground you're not going to trip and also another thing is uniformity right it it seems like once one business has a high brightness bulb shining in your eyes then the other ones feel they have to compete and they also put these up you know look at my sign no look at my sign so there's there's a commercial aspect to it too so how did kitchener get that one uh, dark uh, residential areas. Was there a bylaw, or was it just luck, or what? What? what no, happened? they they just started about. Uh, well, when I first noticed, it was about twelve years ago. They had a street that was in a shape of a U. It was just up, cross, and back, and they put three different sets of types of lights on it. And mm-hmm. uh, so one it, one part of the uh, street had a certain type of full cutoff. Another part had another seat, and another part had a different pattern or model of streetlight. And uh, uh, they just put it in there, and somebody found out about it, and I went down to see it. And you can, and you can stand at the end of the street and look up, and you see you get just the light you need. Mm-hmm. And it was a test case. And uh, they... When you're walking or driving underneath the down the street with these full cutoff lights, you don't notice anything because all the light that you you're getting the lights that you need, but there's no light scattered around. And when you look at it from a hill, you see this massive uh, street lights, and right next to it, there's a dark couple of streets. And I said, this is the way to go. And then they did it with a big one of our main streets here is here on road. And they did it, full cut off on that. And from the top of the hill, you can't see it because it is a couple of kilometers away, but you can't see the street, can't see this major road. And Beautiful. nobody noticed. So all it was was the city going to come up with a plan. They decided to do it. They did it. And then n- nobody noticed the change. So there's no controversy about it. There's no increasing accidents or anything like that because you just get the light you need. And that's all that's required. It, but this, uh, address the crime issue. In New York City uh, went to full cutoff uh, LEDs and their streetlights, and they discovered they, their their power consumption went from 100 to 30. 
their costs. So they said, whoo, we saved a lot of money here. Let's uh, increase the lighting up to 60, and that'll um, reduce crime. Well, all they did was get complaints about... uh, from the residents, they had all this light trespasses, blinding lights, just blinding everything. And their crime stats didn't change. Hmm. So going full cutoff down to 30% of your power consumption really is a major selling point. And I would like if I... To municipalities with tight budgets these days, that's a a huge savings because it's a big budget. Yeah, and that's, that's why they did it. There are three reasons why you want to reduce light pollution. One is the cost. Uh, and one is wildlife, you know, birds smacking into buildings and nocturnal creatures, mm-hmm. not uh, getting their, not get, not being nocturnal. And of course, down the road, way at the end is the, are the astronomers. And uh, I said, if you're going to talk to people, you have to make a financial case. And uh, yeah, the, the city is doing that, has done that for residential, but they, they really haven't gotten around to doing anything with uh, commercial yet. Mm. So, but it, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, we sh- there should be somebody going around to these businesses and speaking to them individually and saying, your power bill for lighting is this. Um, if you install full cutoff, if you've installed these models of, whatever, or, or at least go to full cutoff, you can expect to lower the cost of doing it. Mm-hmm. And what would really sell is if you walk in and go, first off, I'm an astronomer. Uh, I'm not here to cost you. I'm not here to charge you any money. I'm just saying, maybe I can save you some money and you could be, you can brag about being good for the environment and all this sort of stuff and saving the birds and everything like that. But really all you're doing is saving money. And the technology has advanced so far that it's very easy to do that. All it takes is a little bit of education with people. Yeah, I mean, those are all good arguments. And there's also, you know, a lot of science emerging. People are looking at the impacts on nocturnal wildlife and even on health. I mean, you know, we're always told to not look at our phones and our computer screens at night before bed because it disrupts your circadian rhythm. The blue Mm -hmm. light from, from a white emission uh, a high color temperature, anything over 3000 K, um, is, is considered a, a, a cold white, uh, cause it's got a lot of blue in it. And that is bad for your, your body, your, your, the receptors in your eyes pick that up and say, Oh, it's morning. It's time to wake up. The sun is up, you know, in, in all of evolution, all of life evolved so that there is no blue light at night. It doesn't, it didn't exist until very recently. And this is significantly disruptive to the cellular cycle of wake and, and sleep right this, this this if you're disrupting your sleep you're 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 gonna have health impacts uh and it i i hate the the white leds that they put in um i i love the the nice warm sodium lights the the orange glow of the sodium lamps it's you know it, it's not that harsh glaring stuff that you get from the white LEDs. And, and and there are actually good reasons to stick with amber lighting rather than white lighting, but nobody's doing that. I think all of the street lighting sellers are, are pushing for white lights, which have no practical benefit. I mean, you can't see color at night just because the, the, the rods and the cones in your eyes aren't being activated by the low levels of light that you see. You have to turn the light up to, to full sun to get the sort of color rendering that you're used to. So it doesn't really preside 
prevent any benefits getting white light, and it actually has significant drawbacks. But I don't know if, if that's the thing that you've noticed in Kitchener. Are they all using white LEDs too, I assume? Uh, the new cars have them. And they're 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 in the headlights, but they're also in the signal lights and they draw and they um especially if you look at uh, any new SUV or car with um with the uh, daytime running lights, they're look they look like signal lights, they're shaped they're separately. Those are very, very bright. Mm-hmm. And it's the same sort of argument we had when we came out with the uh, new halogen lamps in the 1980s. They had to uh, have a lot of people buy them, install them, and then they drove around with them and just to see what the public would do about them. But mm-hmm. I really don't see much of a, I don't see it affecting, uh, it's, it's be a hard sell to change it because it's a safety issue and people will always go for safety. So I really wouldn't worry about cars. If you have that many cars on the road uh, creating that much light, you got your city is too big. Or mm. well, I, no, I didn't mean that. I mean um, your problem with light pollution in the city with that many cars putting out that much light, you you're basically losing the battle. Mm. But uh, what you really need is um, zoning. And you can do it effortlessly over time. All it takes is new regulations. It's like um, in Guelph at the meeting, I was talking about what happens when uh, you get a light trespass complaint from one of the neighbors because bylaws are run by, are enforced by complaints. Mm -hmm. So you send a bylaw officer out to somebody's address because he's got this blinding light that's making the neighbors unhappy. And they, they go in there with the intention of, you know, turn down the light, you know, make everybody happy. And, but they have no enforcement. They can't write a ticket on it. And that's why the city wants to look at uh, bylaws mm. coming out with a, you know, sane practical bylaw for, uh, so this guy would be able to say, look, I'll give you a week to change it or I'll give you a month to change it. I'll come back and check. And if you haven't changed it, I'll have to write you a ticket, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. But, just educating people on lights. Most people are into it. Most people are environmentalists. Most people want the world to be, um, you know, cut back on light pollution, everything like that. And they see the problems. And my standard is if you can see the Milky Way, you've got a fairly dark sky. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> but the, the really interesting thing is um, there's nothing new to learn here. There's nothing new to pioneer. The city of Flagstaff, Arizona, which has the Lowell Observatory on the on the uh, on the uh, on a hill outside of town, um, it went dark, and it has very it's very very proud of itself in its pioneering efforts to uh, make their city dark. And mm-hmm. I've walked through it at night, and it's not you don't you don't see you don't think that you're that everything is dark. You can you get the light you need. Mm-hmm. And the technology is advancing and other people have done it before and cities around us have done it. And uh, so why think you're going to invent a new light bulb or something? It's just um, the technology is there and it's been practically used and it's just a matter of asking around and finding out what works and what doesn't. And I gave the... Guelph City Hall 
meeting there a uh, an example of basically what I talked about. I talked about how Kitchener did it, mm-hmm. and it was just painless because I, I saw the trucks going around changing the light bulbs, and they changed about I don't know fifty thousand of them, and nobody noticed. And mm. that's really a good way to for government, especially at the municipal level, to work. They just change things as they're needed. So street lights is, is definitely a big source of of pollution because they're on all the time and they're shining up into the sky. Um, one thing that you could do uh, is you could, you know, in the wintertime when there's snow on the ground, there's a lot more reflection. You don't, you could turn the lights down when there's snow on the ground. These LEDs are adjustable in their intensity. You, you could potentially have a lower setting. Typically, what, what uh, municipalities do when they introduce LEDs is that because they're lower power than their high voltage, high pressure sodium lamps, um, they operate them at full blast. And they get a lot more light out of them because they can, you can get more light per dollar per, per, you know, per kilowatt hour out of an LED than you can get out of uh, high pressure sodium lamps. They're a little bit more efficient. So they actually just turn up the lights and it doesn't help anything. Uh, so, you know, we need to have this visibility at the municipal level that you don't need more light, that it doesn't help more with crime to have more light. It actually can, can be more blinding and, and create more problems than it solves. Yeah, people have a problem with, the biggest problem of light pollution is light trespass. Mm-hmm. But just to give you an idea, about 10 years ago, one of our members was complained to the city of Cambridge that uh, um, he had light trespass. They had installed a new uh, street lamp and it was blinding, it was coming down on, it was trespassing onto his backyard. Mm-hmm. So we went to the city and... <clears throat> He walked into one of our meetings with an actual street light. And he's and what he did was when he went to City Hall to talk to them about it, <clears throat> they gave him a street light. And they said, You're an engineer. Why don't you design a shield that can fit on this street light and we'll install it? And he did. Wow. And he brought it to the meeting and he had it designed and everything like this. So it will it doesn't light trespass onto his property. Mm-hmm. But that's the uh the, I find the municipal governments are really easy to work with because they're they're always looking for solutions and answers because they're com- directly re- answerable to uh, the residents, and uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, they're they're the people that make the changes and they make it viable. And there's just uh, all you have to do is I, I think I gave him a little, told him a few stories and everything like that. And I also kind of shot myself in the foot when I showed, they brought up a, a light intensity map of Guelph. And I said, see up here on the northern part, there's a bunch of, um, it's the brightest spot in um, in Guelph. It's it's all about along Woodline Avenue where they have all the car dealerships. Yep. And they use blinding lights. They're the worst of everything. Mm-hmm. And I said, just north, about a kilometer is one of the best astrophotographers in in canada and uh uh, he has an observatory there and he doesn't worry about uh light pollution because the technology has advanced so far that um yeah 30 years ago gendler was doing um this he did that famous uh composite photograph of uh m31 the andromeda galaxy from light polluted Boston in his back on his back porch and he did it on film mm. and uh, the technology's advanced so much now that uh, I saw I was out at a 
star party once and somebody pulled out an iPhone 13 and took a better picture, uh, took a picture that was just as good as the moon as I could see from my telescope. Wow. Well, it wasn't that really that good, but um, that's where the technology is today. Impressive. So the astrophotographers are not really worried about light pollution because they can technologically. What I'm, what I'm really concerned about is I've got star parties this weekend and I say, well, if you come out to see the Milky Way, you're not going to see it because I'm doing it in Cambridge and Waterloo. Hmm. I said, you have to go about an hour out of town to actually see it. Yeah. So the, uh, so I said, you can, well, I'll show you planets. I may even show you the Orion Nebula. I may show you a few constellations, but the main thing is I just want to situate them with the, uh, knowing where the ecliptic is and where they can find all the planets and get them started. And I say, but that's basically it. You're going to have to go to another place to see this. Mm-hmm. And once you put that bug in people's heads, once you make that point with them, they're on your side. <clears throat> Nobody argues with me. Nobody says, well, I like light pollution. You're going to cut back. No, no, no. They're, they're all about, that's cool. I, I really, I really miss that. But how do you get there, right? I mean, I've spoken to, to business owners who have poorly designed lighting fixture, fixtures, shooting light in all directions, on all night. And I you know, talk about I talk to them about, you know, let's, you know, you could put on put in full cutoff lighting and save something on your power bill. And they said, well, but what if somebody comes in, you know, or turn off the lights? He says, well, if somebody comes into my parking lot at night and trips and falls, I'm I'm on the on the hook for a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars. You know, the lawyers won't let me turn off the lights. That's a good point. But we, as we used to say in the army, the first one guy through the door always gets shot. <laughs> so uh, you have to start small. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I had more time or I wasn't doing six different other projects, I would like to become an expert where I can go and sit down with a small business and say, Change this light fixture, it will cha- save you 70% on your lighting, outdoor lighting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, then um, use him as a test. Well, not a test, but a project to uh, run it. Pa- okay, he says, well, I say you understand. You address his concerns as a sales job. And you address his concerns. And you say, uh, your lawyers will have a concern about this. So let's go talk to them. And once you start talking to lawyers, you start to get opinions, and it basically is consistent. And uh, you make it a little project out of some target case or something like that, and then you build on it. You build a reputation, and then you know when um, you're being a success is when the guy who's you can use this guy as a re- the first business as a reference to talk to other references, and then you start getting referrals to saying. Um, well, I run this company. You came in, you dropped our, you saved us thousand dollars a year on outdoor lighting. Uh, it's not much in my big thing, but I says it is money. And uh, I've asked you, I'm asking you to go talk to some, to go the, to this other business or this other branch of our business or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, you know, it's it's a matter of doing the footwork mm-hmm. and. Uh, inviting them out to things or doing a dog and pony show is just explaining to them and showing them your your motivations are just lighting. You're not charging them any money. And uh, 
there was one success we had. One of the guys in our club about 10 years ago went out to one of the local malls where they had these great, they had this, um, they had this theater, cinema. Mm-hmm. And he just says, why do you have your lights on all night long? And uh, all he suggested was, why don't you just turn them off at, after 11 o'clock at night? Because leaving the lights on isn't getting you new customers after 11 o'clock. And mm-hmm. they did. And they're still doing it. Wonderful. And uh, it's just a s- simple suggestion to, like that. It's like municipal, go- municipal government. It starts at the... Uh, all politics is local, right? And you've yeah. just got to just have somebody that's um, keen to do it and goes out and does it. It's basically a job of shifting what's normal. Uh, and people are used to lots of lights and they're used to leaving them on and not caring. And, and it's, it's to me, it's an education job more than anything. You're not going to, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, just introducing a bylaw People are going to be up in arms. Oh, the government's pushing me to do this. But if you ask them, you know, would you like to see the night sky? If you put a, a lid on your light, and if everyone did that, then we could. You know, I, I really like the educational angle. And, uh, you know, this is where we're going to make the most progress. Uh, I mean, I do like bylaws that, you know, you should be able to say to your neighbor, you can't shine a floodlight in my backyard at night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's just common sense. You, you, your neighbor can't throw garbage in your yard. They can't turn their music on loud at night. They shouldn't be shining lights in your windows at night either. Uh, so that, you know, that makes a lot of sense to me. But the, I think the real progress is just making it normal to not shine your lights in the sky. And, and I, I think that the world hasn't thought enough about this. And it's not just not a big enough issue to many people. People just let, let these, the night sky go. I, so my, my parents are down in, in Leamington, Ontario, where they have all the greenhouses, uh, greenhouse operations with artificial lights going all night. And they, they have like red and blue grow lights in these greenhouses. And, you, you know, at night, it's like the aliens are landing. The sky is glowing purple uh, in all directions. It's like, oh, my God, what the heck is going on? <laughs> and And people say, oh, it's beautiful. I like it. It's like having Christmas lights all year. <laughs> but, well, that, you know. that, yeah, I've seen the grow ups. Um, the problem is they, re- they have, uh, clear greenhouses, clear roofs because they want to use the sunlight. Yeah. And, uh, I think the, uh, one of the solutions is to full, go to full cutoff because or, they're or blasting heat and light <laughs> out in all sorts of directions. I, uh, the well, idea a lot of those greenhouses they, have blinds that they can pull over if the sun is too too strong. You you could put blinds yeah. or, or curtains on these things and keep them in, but it's just another expense that they don't want to pay. They'd rather shine their lights up in the sky and waste in, waste money that way. Yeah, but, there, there is a case to be said for full cutoffs, or you know, you could do a, instead of using bars of uh, LEDs, you could just use. Uh, uh, set your lighting up so you have individual a few leds shining on a few plants and that would really reduce all the wastage of light mm-hmm. and uh it but i'm saying somebody come up with a solution for this a commercial solution for this and uh when you attack the problem from the money money angle it's not hard to sell them on it because you say you know 
the lighthouses, the mm-hmm. uh, greenhouses in New York State are all changed. And uh, they're all saving money. Mm-hmm. And once you start saying that, then they get their idea because that's their competitor. And they're saying, mm-hmm. oh, oh. And then they see their electric bill and everything like that. So it's a matter of educating and coming to them at a, at a point of view that they haven't had before, something that they haven't worked at. Um, I mean, I think bylaws do have a place, especially in, in getting industry in line, because, you know, you can't, you can't, uh, if you're complying to the bylaw with your lighting, you know, you're not going to be sued for, for negligence. The, the, I think that's a solution that allows the industries to, to come in line with, with good practices in lighting. Right now, they're, they're, they're just taking the, the simplest, uh, cheapest way out, uh, which spray, sprays light up into the sky. But if you, you look at those glowing wall packs, you can put a, a shield on those and shine them down into your parking lot rather than shining them up into people's faces. It's, it's mm. not a difficult thing to do or, or put posts with full cutoff fi- fixtures just like the street lights. It's doable. So it, it's just a, a question of getting awareness and giving people the, the ability to, to push the system, uh, in the right direction, I think. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that this bylaw uh, is, is introduced uh, smartly, and that the but the city is also looking at um, you know putting this in their plan, putting full cutoff lighting in their plan, thinking of switching mm-hmm. to amber street lights. Uh, these sorts of of relatively simple things that you can you can do over time will get you gradually to a much nicer uh, dark sky. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're coming coming towards the end of our interview. Do you have any uh, last words that you'd like to? Any last advice you'd like to give people that are listening to this? Uh, well, there are no there are no good guys or bad guys in this, and it's it's a matter of uh, there's new technology. Is a lot more advantages to it than disadvantages, and uh, it's just a matter of education. Just a matter of showing people the way to do it, and if they don't do it, their computer their competitors will do it. And they'll be, they'll either, you know, it'll hurt them in their pocketbook. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like to, I, I have a few, one of the things that come out of the meeting was I'm in touch with somebody who's in the lighting industry and she's okay. concerned about wildlife and everything. So she's obviously taught, she's obviously has the answers that I'm looking for when it comes to making the case for uh, talking to businesses and everything. So mm-hmm. it's just a matter of uh, finding the right people, getting the right information and going talking to people or spreading the word with people. Yeah. And uh, one of the places I want to go to is uh, the University of Waterloo because their parking lot lights are just horrendous. Ooh. They're amber and they fly out. And I'm just going to go take pictures of it and then I'm going to go to their science outreach person and shame them. <laughs> well good luck yes. with that you you uh, guys think you're so smart what are you doing with all this light pollution and it's like oh no it's jim again oh no I have to run <laughs> okay we'll do it if it just means to shut you up right <laughs> and there's all sorts of ways you can do it there's social media can give you a voice to uh you know you don't want to go around and shame people but sometimes people get a little too set in their ways and they need to be prodded a bit like don't don't shame people but but highlight practices good business practices like yes like like advertise businesses with full cutoff lighting look at look at this bank it's got full cutoff lighting look at this store 
uh, you know, that this is what we should be doing. And the, you know, shame people indirectly that way. Show, show a, good examples. There's a Dark Sky site in Kitchener. And uh, it's down by the river. And it's completely surrounded by trees. And so there are no lights right in the middle of the city. Hmm. And uh, the only lights you can see are a few, um, uh, a few uh, living room lights about 800 meters away. And it is absolutely, I just discovered it. It's, it's, it's interesting that if it, everything's just cut off, hmm. it just makes the sky, you know, of course, you get a lot of sky glow. And it's, it's really bad and humid nights and everything. But mm-hmm. you get out, um, you get out to uh, this site on a clear night. And what I want to do is that's the site I go to to watch the Orion, to see the Orion Nebula. Nice. And, uh, you know, in a month or so, it's going to be up about eight o'clock at night. And you can just sit there with a telescope and just gaze at it for as long as you want. And it's, it's one of the most amazing things in the night sky. And, uh, when people really see it. And what's really interesting, it's low enough in our horizon that it's the star. When I was in New Zealand and Australia, it's the one thing that people wanted to show me the most. Nice. So when you can see the Orion Nebula from the city, you can say we share that with the rest of the world, even the people in the Southern Hemisphere. Thank you for for coming and chatting with us. I really appreciate you taking the time, Jim. Thank you. If you'd like to follow up with more in-depth discussions, please come find us on Facebook at The Rational View and join our discussion group. If you like what you're hearing, please consider visiting my Patreon page at patreon.podbean.com slash The Rational View. Thanks for listening.